Hi, this is the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast, and I'm your host, Brooke Ritchie Babbage. Each week, I do a deep dive into the mindset and strategies and tactics and tools of scaling an incredible, high-impact nonprofit. I'm so glad you're here. So that's what I want to do today. I want to walk through what it actually looks like to focus on growth in a strategic way. One of my favorite sayings, I say this in probably every training I do is because I focus a lot on growth, is that what got you here won't get you there. And when it comes to the life cycles of a growing nonprofit, which is what we're going to talk about today, nothing could be more true. For those of you who are founders or who have been leading organizations in a certain way for a certain amount of time, the irony is that the success of certain things that you've been doing, strategies and approaches, have often resulted in the success, right? But they also result in an over-reliance on those strategies and approaches. And so sometimes we just don't know when a new strategy or approach might be needed because, and we might be resistant to those new strategies and approaches because they can make us feel clumsy or more at risk. And one of the things you do not want to feel very often when you are running a nonprofit is clumsy or more at risk. The truth is, though, that more of the same gets us more of the same. And when you're thinking about how to grow your organization, you have to be willing and ready to do things differently than you've done them before. One of the things we're going to talk about today, or the main purpose of today, is to sort of begin to know when that time is, right? When it's time for a level up, when it's time for a shift in perspective or strategies. In reality, a $1.5 million organization, for example, or a $2 million organization is not just a smaller organization with more money. As organizations grow and mature, they actually become different organisms. They require different types of design, of leadership, of allocation of time and strategic approaches. So maybe you're coming to this training because you feel like you are running your organization in a way that is constantly trying to catch up, right? You feel like you're chasing. <laughs> and instead, you want to feel like you're out in front sometimes, right? Actually leading and stewarding. Maybe you're here because you want to feel like you have the support you need to bring your full vision to your work, that you have ideas, you can see where you want your organization to go, but who has time, right? Who has time for the thinking um, and the generative work because you're always in the weeds. And this is one that I know a lot of folks feel, you wanna stop worrying about how you're actually gonna grow, right? How you're going to expand programming without the staff you need, or how are you gonna convince a funder to give you the money you need to grow a program when you can't show the results until you have the money? How are you going to cover payroll for this expanded staff that you need? All of the things, right? You're all growing means something different to each of you. But ultimately, and this is what I want to really drive home, the reason we talk about growth, the reason we talk about sort of doing the work to become this new organism is that you believe in the mission of your organization and you want to have impact, right? You want to actually help the people and the communities that you are working with. So today, I'm going to give you some concrete focus points 
in particular, specifically, a set of questions to ask yourself to make sure that your growth strategy, how you're thinking about growing, what you're focusing on, is the right one for where you are. I said this at the beginning, there will be a replay, there'll be some material sort of fleshing this out, you'll get the slides, but as you have questions or if you have questions, feel free to pop them in the chat at any time. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. This is all about knowing where you are in what's called the nonprofit life cycle. So what is the nonprofit life cycle? It's basically just a sort of jargony way of describing the process by which organizations grow and decline through specific changes in their systems, processes, and core elements. We're not going to talk about the decline today, but there are 10 stages in the life cycle of a nonprofit, right? So the six we're going to focus on today are the growth of a nonprofit. And then there are four that we won't talk about, which are around um, organizations that are in crisis that have to pivot, consolidate, or close. Equally as important to know if you are one of those organizations and you find yourself in that, in that space, and I have a different training on those, but today we're focusing on growth. And what I'll say that I, I really like about this framework is that every single nonprofit follows this trajectory, right? They grow in the same way. Their unique missions, their unique constellations of people and strategies, but the life cycles are pretty standard. The benchmarks are pretty standard. So the reason that this matters, the reason that the standardization is helpful is because if you want to grow your organization in a way that allows you to stay stable and that is sustainable, it really comes down to doing the right thing at the right time. First, knowing your stage, knowing where you are in the life cycle provides insight into key milestones and challenges for that stage. You want to make sure that you recognize the stage you're in so that you can set the right goals and address the right challenges. If your goals and plans and actions aren't aligned with where you actually are, they're just going to be less effective. You're going to focus on the wrong things. You're going to spend time and money on challenges that aren't real and you'll miss ones that, that are. You also want to know what the next stage is so that you can prepare to grow. You want to set the next best goal, right? NBG. <laughs> the next best goal for the health and stability of your organization. And so it can really just be, particularly for small and emerging nonprofits, a critical waste of time and resources to aim at the wrong goal or to try to institute practices that your organization is just not ready for, that they're not set up to support. And this is true whether you're a small organization or a larger organization. Anytime you talk about growth, running your organization can start to feel really hard and heavy. Put more positively, a clear understanding of your organization's life stage can help you frame critical conversations with your stakeholders, your staff, your board, your partners. It can inform your strategic decisions, right? where you want to go and why, what you want to say yes to and what you should be saying no to. And it can offer a really good starting point for thinking about the capacity that you need to build. So I'm going to walk through the growth stages here. I won't go into the ones having to do with decline and closure, like I mentioned. We'll just focus on the first six. So the first one is birth and launch. Now, during this phase, typically you've identified a problem and you're developing a solution or a vision for that problem. At this stage, most funding and staffing, if you have any, is personal, right? It's your money, it's your friends and family. This is really even before you have a board. This is, hey, I see this problem. I'm doing 
work to solve it, but there's no institution there. And there are lots of folks that don't move beyond the idea stage into stage two, which is the formal startup phase, infancy, right? This is when the baby has just been born. It's not just an idea. This phase, the benchmarks of this phase are very often high energy. You're doing a lot of work. There's hyper-focus on initial programming, initial partnerships. A lot of organizations in this phase, in the infancy or sort of initial startup phase are doing a lot of research and needs assessment. There's limited funding and often there's a newly acquired legal status. This could be 501c3 status. This could be a B Corp. There's lots of really interesting formats and structures, way more than when I started doing this work. B Corps didn't even exist at the time. Hybrid models, uh, mutual aid groups. But at this point in the startup, you've sort of committed to a structure. And the key here is that you formalize the institution, right? And now you're racing to do the work of the organization and to survive, but there's still a blending of sort of the idea and the institution. This can be scary for folks sometimes sort of committing to an institution and is honestly one of the reasons a lot of folks don't get to the startup idea because that idea of like becoming a 501c3 or formalizing as a hybrid can be really scary, right? There's an actual status of an institution that's separate from a person. The childhood or post-startup phase is really where this institution, this organization begins to walk and talk on its own. And what I mean by that is it's separate from the founder. There is more stability at this stage, but you're still figuring out how to actually be an institution that is separate from the founder. Who and how to hire people? Is it full-time staff? Is it part-time staff? Is it contractors? Who should be on your board? And what should a board do in this phase, in this sort of startup phase, after you had the institution for a little bit, you have your core programs, you're starting to figure out, wait, what does governance actually mean for us? Very often your board is still very hands-on and you're starting to think, what does it mean for the board to take on more of a governance and less of an execution role? You're thinking about how to systematize your program model, more and more about how to separate the institution from the founder, from the initial idea. The fourth phase is early growth stage. So teenagers. This is generally when an organization sort of hits its stride, becoming a growth stage operation. And it's focused on standardizing and deepening programs to meet the needs of its constituents. It's focused more intently on turning its board into a true governance board. What does governance mean? How do we make sure they're doing it right? How do we move away from a friends and family board to begin to bring in people with an affinity for the mission that may or may not know the founder? And what does that mean? Who are the right people right, to be in our ecosystem? You tend to start to have um, structured leverage networks, meaning people who are not on your board, but are in your ecosystem, finding ways to structure those relationships, advisory councils, junior boards. And internally, organizations at this phase are beginning to formalize structures and processes to ensure that their organization can sustain itself. So you start to have an employee manual, performance evaluations. Many early growth stage organizations will start to think about things like standard operating procedures around compensation around building organizational or team culture, right? So you take the things you've been doing and you start to add infrastructure to them. 
And I'm going to talk a lot more actually about how to do that piece, sort of uh, design piece in next week's training, which is focused on organizational design. But what I'll lift up about the early growth stages, this is often when organizations start to focus more intentionally on the design of the institution. Another benchmark of the early growth stage in particular is that growth almost always outpaces capacity and money. (laughs) So this stage can be marked by a attention, right? A focus on calibrating expansion. You want to grow your programs. You want to have more impact. You're starting to see what really works in your communities and you want to do more of it. But you have to figure out how to bring in the funding and the team. You have to figure out how to right size workflows, right? Often during the early growth stage, folks look up and too few people are are holding too much work. And so a lot of organizations in this phase start to think, wait, do I have the right roles? Do I have the right people? And that's often what we see as we shift into young adulthood, right? As you shift from like the chaos and the sort of messiness and the, ah, what's happening of being a teenager into young adulthood, this late growth phase is, is usually, this is usually what we call the late growth phase. Now, growth stage organizations, for those of you who geek out over the research like I do, <laughs> are often lumped together, right? You have startups and then you have growth stage organizations. Really, there are two phases. There's early growth and late growth. And late growth stage organizations are usually marked by a steady growth, right? So that calibration in the early growth phase of how do we match the pace of our funding, growing funding, growing staff with the pace of our growing impact, right? How do we calibrate that? Late growth stage organizations have started to really calibrate, right? And they're sort of finding their rhythm. And the focus of late growth stage organizations as they are growing steadily is on remaining stable in that growth, right? Not, for example, taking in more money than they have the financial infrastructure to manage, thinking more about financial health, thinking honestly about how to ensure that the growth of their programs, the expansion of their board, expansion of their staff allows them to stay anchored in their values and in their mission. Organizations at this point sometimes have to reroot themselves in their mission, in their values, in what they want to be, how they want to be as an institution. Right? They have the systems that they've set up, they've set up the design. And now the questions are, is this working? Did we get some of this wrong? Hint, yes. <laughs> There's always tweaking, right? There's always refinement. Another benchmark or another thing that happens in the late growth or young adulthood phase is that the leader has to learn how to get out of the woods, out of the weeds, and to work on the organization, not just in the organization. And I say learn because that is actually really hard to do, right? Particularly if you are a leader that has been with an organization during the early, maybe even startup, but definitely during the early growth phase. And now you're going into this late growth stage. One of the things you have to do is figure out, okay, when is it time for me to stop being the one executing? What does it mean to delegate differently? Do I need to hire differently? How do I get out of the weeds and start doing higher leverage activities, right? Activities that really fuel revenue and impact for the organization. At this point, most of your systems are set up. And so now you're really learning how to use them as a team and as a group. And then the sixth phase is what we call the zone of maximization. 
In this phase, the organization is stable. It's got money coming in. It knows its revenue model. It's diversified in the right way. And I'll just say one thing. We'll talk a little bit about this in the third week when we talk about budgeting. But I think one of the myths of funding diversification and sort of wanting your budget to show a diverse set of stream of revenues is that people think, oh, we have to make sure we have money from all of these different types of sources, people and foundations and corporations and government. And that is not true. (laughs) That actually weakens most organizations, particularly growing organizations. What we find is that organizations that reach this zone of maximization, this sort of maturity phase, is that they've settled on two, maybe three prime sources of revenue that are a really good fit, right? So their funding is mission aligned. Their programs are mission aligned. They have partnerships. They have structured networks that they're leveraging. They have systems that are working. They're having impact. They have an evaluation system that fuels their program design and fuels their storytelling and their strategic communication. And they're beginning to think about their unique point of view and how to leverage their thought leadership, right? Their ideas to increase their reach, to shift out of hunting and into gathering mode so that they are on the radar of new kinds of funders, et cetera. This can be a really happy place. (laughs) And it is not sort of a unicorn vision. There are many organizations that, that get to this phase. Things work, people know their jobs, teams are good. What I will say is that even though these are standard phases, most organizations go like this between growth and maturity, right? That you sort of hit a zone of maximization, you hit this maturity zone, and organizations can get stale, right? They can stop questioning, they can stop refining, and or they decide they want to grow in some way. And so there's always a sort of going back and forth between in what way are we growing and where are we mature? And how long do we want to stay in the zone of maximization before we lean back into innovation, lean back into trying something new? And some organizations don't, right? They're like, we nailed it. We got it. (laughs) We're good. And so this is some of where the strategy comes in. So here's the mistake that most organizations make now that I've sort of laid out what these six phases are. They simply don't pay attention to which stage of growth they're at. So they wind up aiming, as I said, at the wrong goal. They don't ask the right questions about how to staff up, how to reach new donors, what their revenue model should be. They misdiagnose problems with their board. Really often, I see this a lot, organizations try to institute practices with their organizations that they're not actually set up to support. I honestly see this a lot on the board, at the board level. You have organizations that have five committees. And they have an executive committee and there's all of this sort of structure, but it doesn't follow function, right? They're actually not there yet in terms of size or in terms of the function, the governance function of their board. They don't know the next best place to aim their money, their time, or their attention to help them grow. And like I said, the result of this ultimately is that running your organization can start to feel really, really hard. and really overwhelming. So what I want to do now that I've laid out the six stages is give you six focusing questions that can help you avoid this mistake. Because I want you to walk away today with information that you can actually use to diagnose where you are and how to move forward. 
These are six critical focus questions that you can ask at each stage in your growth. And they're going to help you focus on the most strategic way forward for your organization. And I emphasize your because, and I said this at the beginning, the stages are standard, but the experiences of organizations as they move through those stages, as they hit those benchmarks, as they move from one stage to another, those experiences are going to be really different. So you want to self-diagnose your own organization with the next best step for you, your leadership, your board, your staff, et cetera, are. So as you move through each of these stages in your organization's growth, you will be able to determine how best to grow, like I said, where to aim your money, your time, your attention, your staff, by asking these questions. So I'm going to walk through them briefly, and then I'm going to go through each phase and how these might play out in each phase. So the first is the nature and scope of your goals, right? Given where we are, is our core goal survival, right? There are a lot of organizations coming out of COVID, coming out of the pandemic that were stable. And now they're like, actually, the thing we need to focus on in the next year, in the next two years is survival. We've lost our team or we've lost our core funding. That's the nature and scope of our primary goal. And by goal, I don't mean your programmatic or strategic goals. I mean, what's the the goal of the institution that has been formed? Is it stability, right? Is it, you look around, you're like, wow, we have all these different sources of funding. We have different people coming on the team, but I feel like everything's just like a little chaotic. I don't, don't really feel like we have our footing. So really we need to focus on stability. Is it growth? Is it deepening impact? Is it We've nailed our programs and now it's time to scale or now it's time to go deeper, right? So what's the nature and scope of your goal? You're going to want to ask that. Second, as your organization grows, it will move from, it moves through different design phases. And like I said, I'm going to go through this next week more. But overall, the design of the organization or the structure moves from being organic to intentional to systematized. Organic structure is and lots of organizations will have parts of their structure that are organic and parts that are systematized but organic structure organizational structures are those that are not highly structured they're not formal they tend to be held by one person right decisions tend to be held by one person they tend to be made in in groups right there's sort of a flow to them intentional is when you look and you say okay, that worked, that didn't. We're going to do more of that and less of that. You start adding intention to the design of your organization. And then the next stage is systematized, right? And so when you're asking, what's the overall structure of the key parts of our institution? Are we more organic than we should be? Should we add some intentionality? Are we too systematized in some ways? Do we need to be a little more organic? Are we missing perspectives, right? So what's the structure of where you are and where do you want it to be? And like I said, we're going to dive even more into this next week. The third question you want to ask is your level of strategic clarity, right? What's the time horizon of your planning? How far into the future are you able to look with clarity and certainty? And how are you using your strategies to guide the work of your organization? And this will change. If you are in an early growth stage organization, 
you might find that the time horizon of your planning, the appropriate time horizon, meaning how far you can plan into the future with some certainty that what you're planning will actually come to fruition. You might have a shorter time horizon than if you are in the zone of maximization. You might only feel comfortable planning a year or two or 18 months into the future in terms of your finances, in terms of your staffing, in terms of what you want to do with your board, because you know you're growing. And where you plan to be two years from now is going to look programmatically, strategically, culturally different than where you are now. And if you know that, then your level of strategic clarity is less. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But you want to know that so that you don't put time and effort into developing, say, a five-year strategic plan when you're in such a growth phase that your organization is going to be totally different five years from now. So you spent time and energy on a plan where the time horizon doesn't actually match your true level of clarity. So you want to know that and have all of your key stakeholders be on the same page about your level of strategic clarity. You want to ask yourself about fundraising and finance, right? Are you focused primarily on increasing income, right? Are you a startup where you're like, we just need more money? (laughs) Or, or a growth stage where you're like, we have this new program and we just need more money, right? Is increasing income your primary focus? Is diversification your primary focus? You look around and you're like, we're actually good in terms of our budget, but we're very reliant on one or two sources and that makes me nervous. Is stability your primary focus in terms of fundraising and finance, right? Are you looking around thinking... We have a feast and famine cycle. And actually what I'd love are some sustaining strategies like monthly donors, multi-year giving, right? So what are your sort of primary directives around your fundraising and your finances? How strategic are you able to be? How strategic are you being about planning your finances and planning your fundraising? Other benchmarks around capital, right? Resources. How transactional is your fundraising? And you need to start moving into more relational fundraising if you want to level up the kind of money you're getting, right? If you're ready for more major donors, do you have a definition of financial health that guides your budgeting and your financial decisions? What kind of budget are you making? A lot of organizations have, you know, hold steady budgets, meaning our goal, stability, we're not really going to grow our budget for the next year or two. And that's a strategic decision. Other organizations say, actually, we have an aspirational growth budget that makes us a little uncomfortable, but that's what we're going to shoot for. So being really clear about your fundraising and your finances. The fifth question that you want to ask is around your capacity. Do you have the right people in the right roles? And here I mean your staff, your board, and your extended networks, right? What is the size and nature of your team? A lot of organizations that go through growth periods or are preparing for growth periods realize that some of the roles that have fit the organization aren't the right roles anymore. Either you need new roles that you hadn't previously thought about or envisioned, or some of the existing roles have become obsolete. They need to be shifted. So on your staff, really thinking about, we have the right people in the right seats. On your board, similar questions. Do we have the right people on the board? to help us achieve what we want to achieve. And that doesn't always mean, it almost never means 
just getting a lot of wealthy people (laughs) or famous people. That is not the right way to build a board. What you actually want to do is go to some of these other focus questions, right? What's the goal of this organization? What are we trying to achieve? Where are we trying to go? And then who are the ambassadors, the thought partners, the network builders that can help us achieve these goals? That's how you build the board. And so as you're thinking about this capacity question, do you have the right people on your board? Do you work well with them or not? And if you don't, maybe they're not the right people. Do you have the right structure? Do you have committees when you shouldn't have committees? Do you have too many committees? Are they the right committees? Do you have officers to help streamline the work of your board or are you not there yet? How are things functioning? And then in terms of your expanded network, really thinking to yourself, who are the people in our ecosystem that we should have some structured relationships with? Should we have an advisory council that we can call on as thought partners or as ambassadors? Should we have an ambassador council or a junior board who are asking on our behalf and helping with marketing, right? Thinking about where you are in terms of your ability to structure your capacity and leverage your capacity. And then finally, the last focus question is about your next strategic step as a leader. And this is really a simple question. What needs to happen in my leadership to help us transition out of this phase, right? So you look at these other five questions and you're like, this is where we are. What's the next thing, right? If our focus is on, if our goal is survival, what actually needs to happen in my leadership and in this organization for us to get out of survival mode, for us to move to this next step? So now I just want to walk briefly through a couple of examples of how these might apply at each stage. So birth launch, right? This is this idea phase. So the goal here is get off the ground, launch. The structure is organic at best, I say, because a lot of times it's one person, you know, or two people sort of just doing their thing. There's very little strategic clarity. It's information, meaning you don't have a strategic plan. And you shouldn't, and that makes sense because you're still figuring things out. The funding is almost entirely by the founder, the founder's friends. In terms of capacity, relying very heavily on volunteers, trusted friends, doing a lot of work. A lot of times the board, or what you call the board, or the people that will become the board when you're in a startup phase, are these trusted friends and volunteers. And then the growth focus question is, okay, what do we need to move past this stage? We need clarity about our mission. We need a clear theory of change. We need some kind of structure, right? What's the structure? 501c3, mutual aid, some kind of hybrid, B Corp, et cetera. In infancy, in startup phase, the goal is usually survival and proof of concept, right? So you have this work that you're doing or you have this idea for work. And you have to show that it's a good idea. Startups are typically out to prove impact of their theory of change. And so there's a lot of experimentation with program design, with partnerships, sort of getting in front of people. The structure or design is organic. It's shaped by the people doing the work. It's constantly in flux. It's carried out by the people that have the ideas. There are very few systems and processes And that's fine because organic design lends itself to experimentation and innovation. So that fits right at this phase. In terms of strategic clarity, the goal here is to clarify the mission. So you have a clear mission, you have a clear theory of change, 
And the work is what it is, right? You're carrying out your mission and you're testing your theory of change. Your capital, um, fundraising and finance at this point, organizations often have a very cursory budget. And that is really just, this is what it costs to do the work. (laughs) It's not fancy. There, sometimes it has to be a little more structured because sometimes in the startup phase, folks have the initial external support, a startup funder or a first don't donation from a friend that's basically like, hey, we'll pay for this year's program so you can test it, right? So your capital tends to be very in flux. Initial baby steps beyond self-funding sometimes happen in this phase. And so you start to have a clear understanding of what's the budget? What does this cost? When you look at capacity and you ask sort of what's our capacity in the startup phase, sometimes or often you'll have a startup board. What does a startup board look like? And in the fourth week, when I talk about activating your board, I'll talk a little bit about what the phases of board development are. But this is a friends and family board. Often your staff is volunteers, maybe one or two independent contractors. In this stage, there's almost always more work than people, meaning your capacity. And you remember I said sort of are the right people in the right roles. Well, in this phase, really you're thinking all hands on deck right? Everybody does everything. So when you ask this focus question, sort of what's our capacity? The answer is all hands on deck. Everybody needs to do everything. And the reason, just as an example, that that can be really important to ask is as you're trying to bring people in to a startup, you want to be clear. This is what capacity looks like right now. If you join the board, it's all hands on deck. If you volunteer, you may be asked to do things that weren't in your job description. And that's just where we are, right? And then the strategic growth focus is what do we need to transition out of this phase? A strong program logic model, some initial strategic plan, and some sense of a fundraising plan, right? How are we going to begin to be intentional about our strategy, our growth, and our fundraising? In post-startup, the goal shifts to, okay, now let's stabilize, right? We have proof of concept. Now we got to make this work. We have to sort of get our our grounding. You start to see the structure shift from organic to increased intentionality, right? There becomes a cycle of experimentation, testing, and refinement. And you start to actually notice this is working. We want to do more of this. This isn't working. We want to let go, right? You start to see an articulation of core programming, programming that isn't going to shift from Uh, quarter to quarter or semester to semester because organizations at this phase will say, actually, we have a structure. We have a program structure. This is what we do. In terms of clarity, strategy tends to be more informed by evaluation at this point. And I don't necessarily mean a structured evaluation plan, but you're getting some feedback. You're getting some data. And so there's some clarity about the direction that you want to go in. And a lot of times at this stage, you'll have organizations say, this is what we want to do for the next year right? So the, the time horizon of strategic clarity in this post sort of startup phase will tend to be about a year, 18 months. There's more regular fundraising because your expenses are starting to increase. You, and this is often related to shifts in capacity. You'll start at this, at this phase to have a small staff, your team is forming. You'll have an early stage governance board or a second stage startup board. And I'll talk about what those are in the fourth week. And then in terms of your growth focus, What you need to transition out of this phase is an increased emphasis on intentionality, right? How do we 
expand the time horizon of our strategic clarity. What are we going to commit to for the next period of time and actually lean into, lean into and sort of shift away from innovation in the same way that we might have leaned into it up until this point. And then that leads to early growth stage. And so the early growth stage, the goals usually are continue to stabilize and grow, right? Start to scale. There is an intentional structure. If you're going to grow, you have to have an intentional structure, meaning you have to say, this is what we're going to test. This is what we're going to lean into. This is where we're going to be strategic. This is what we're committing to. That is what drives and fuels clarity of growth. At this point in time, you want to start to have a three-year strategic plan, right? Your time horizon shifts out because you want to be able to say, we're growing towards X place. You also want to have more plans. You want to have um, a fundraising plan, an early financial management structure in terms of your capacity and intentionality there too. A more a highly differentiated team, or I shouldn't say highly, a more differentiated team. So in the early growth phase, you'll start to see the beginnings of a leadership team. You'll start to see folks, you'll have a director as opposed to an associate. You'll start to have different roles where it is not all hands on deck, right? And you really, people will expect to do the role they were hired to do. On the board, you'll start to see a governance board begin to evolve, right? What are the structures that we need to put in place so that we can carry out our sort of governance roles? What does that mean? Right? So there's more focus on that. And then to shift out of this phase, to transition out of this phase, in order to prepare to run the organization as it grows, this is where the executive director starts to pay attention to their own style and skill level, delegating to a leadership team, shifting the nature and type of fundraising in order to grow different kinds of support, paying attention to the financials, right? So the skill level of the executive director becomes really important in the early growth phase. In the late growth phase, and there's some subtle differences here, you start to see intentionality moving into systemization, right? The focus, the goal, because it's really, you've sort of, you've gotten stable in your growth, right? You've calibrated the growth. Really, you are focusing on growth, just growth and less on the stability. And in order to do that, you're starting to develop systems, repeatable systems. And what systems do is they reduce friction. They make it easier for people to grow without having to sort of repeat instructions and think about everything all the time. So you have a three-year strategic plan. You have real alignment between your programs, your strategy, and your operations. You start to have an emerging point of view about why your organization is going where it's going strategically. You have a structured team that you can lean into and delegate to. You start to have an early fundraising system, a model, right? That you're like, oh, actually, it's easier for us to raise money from major donors. So we're going to start to lean into that, right? We're going to start to systematize how we communicate with our funders and our donors. We're going to start to systematize how we communicate with our board. This is also where organizations and leaders start to add to their financial infrastructure. They move beyond a bookkeeper and the executive director starts using financials as a strategic tool, which then is where this sort of financial or last question is around 
what needs to happen to transition into a mature organization, the organization, the ED has to focus on the organization, delegation, concrete systems, getting out of the weeds. And like I said before, this is a skill, right? You have to learn it, but that's the sort of the growth focus there. And then finally, I've talked about the, the zone of maximization as a happy place. Right, the goal of this phase will tend to be deepening impact because you've got the internal things sort of going. You've got the systems, you've got the team, you've got the board. And so now it's about leveraging what you've set up institutionally and operationally to deepen impact, to go to the next level. You have policies and SOPs. You have the right leadership sort of structure in your organization. I will emphasize this does not necessarily mean hierarchy. It means clarity of roles, right? You have strong ownership and leadership around the work. And that can be flat. It just has to be clearly differentiated. At this point, you have a governance board that are thought partners and ambassadors. In terms of capital, there are there's a strong revenue model and significant general operating support. Often organizations at this stage will have a reserve. And the, the key sort of thing here in terms of strategic growth focus is this sort of what to look out for. You just want to look out for silos, right? Policies can start to feel rigid. You can avoid taking risks that don't actually allow you to stay current in terms of your responsiveness to your clients and communities. So the upshot here is these are the stages leading to and including growth and knowing them can be a powerful tool because they allow you to do the right thing at the right time, which will fuel your growth and help you stay stable. Two quick examples. So when you're looking at capacity, and I've mentioned this, a startup board is really different from an adult board. The adult board has functioning committees and officers that work on their own and help grow the impact of the organization. You'll be frustrated and it simply won't work to try to take five-person, say, friends and family startup board and divide them into self-functioning committees that fundraise and govern. That switch, that shift, that jump won't work. They're not ready. Instead, you want to look ahead at the next phase and think about how your organization can grow the size of your board, build the skills of your board, build a board culture that prepares them to govern when they have the structure and capacity, right? That's the next best step. Another quick example, and this is actually one that I just navigated with uh, somebody in my accelerator program. If you have 20 people on your donor list and they each gave $250 in the past year and you don't have a pipeline of prospective major donors, the next best goal for your fundraising is not a million dollars from individuals. It's not even $100,000 from individuals. That's not the stage you're in. So spending resources to achieve that goal is inefficient and a waste of money. Instead, you want to allocate your resources on things like building your donor base, clarifying your donor archetypes and and profiles, creating donor funnels, creating pipelines of funders, really building that financial and funding flywheel. Understanding your readiness and preparedness to grow by looking at the next stage and crafting your plans based on that stage addressing the right challenges of where you are and setting your goals based on where you need to go is how you grow in a focused way that is stable and avoids overwhelm. You can drown out the noise of everything you need to think about, focusing on what's the next best stage and using those six questions to really zero in on where you should be focusing your your energy. So to recap, 
We talked today about how you need to think in a focused and strategic way about your growth and where you are in the life cycle of a nonprofit if you want to scale in a way that isn't overwhelming and is actually sustainable. I walked through what the life cycle stages are and what the benchmarks or characteristics of those stages are. And you learned six specific questions, focus questions that you can turn to to guide your thinking about your growth and the next best phase. Ultimately, what I hope you saw is that the intentionality of your plan to scale is not a nice to have. Without being super sharp about your growth strategy, you're going to be vulnerable to overwhelm. You cannot stumble your way into successful strategic growth. That's why I offer these trainings. It simply takes too much time and a waste of money to try to cobble together the systems to get you where you think you see other bigger organizations. And so what I want to do with these trainings is provide a look behind the curtain to really help you get your organization ready to scale. One of the things I've learned in the 25 years I've been doing this is that our blind spots are very real. We don't know what we're not seeing that is actually absolutely fundamental to successful growth. And so that's what I'm doing in these trainings. I'm trying to highlight blind spots and be like, this is what you're seeing. Focus on growth strategy. So in the next training in this series, I'm going to take the next step and I'm going to show you what to focus on inside your organization to design the structure of your systems, your culture, your people, to design your growth from the ground up. I'm going to show you the building blocks of a strong, sustainable organization. They're the same 10 building blocks across every institution. And I'm going to show you how you can use them to design your structures, your systems, and your culture to support and maybe even fuel your growth. So that's what I have for today. Are there questions for folks? Can I answer any questions? You can put them in the chat. And like I said, there will be a replay and I will send both the slides and some worksheets to support you in thinking through this. Are there any questions from folks? Okay. Well, I hope this was helpful. It was really great having you guys here today. And I hope you will join me next week when we talk about organizational design and designing for growth. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. I always have so much fun doing these episodes. Definitely check out the links to all of the goodies that I mentioned in this episode. You can get that at brookwitchybabbage.com backslash podcast for the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode and think that you have a friend or colleague who would also enjoy, I would love if you would leave a review and share. Have a great week. <laughs>